American Giant makes great clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, and more right here in the U.S. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order with code STAPLE20. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com, code STAPLE20. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I remember lying in the dark as a kid, terrified that God was going to send me to hell because I was attracted to men. I spent nights in agony begging God to change me, thinking there was something terribly wrong with me. Maybe you were like me. Or maybe you were a parent who watched your child slip away from you. I can only imagine how different my life would be if I had an alternative to the bad theology I was taught by everyone around me. That's why I created Quirology, because no one should feel like God hates them. If you're like most people who listen, you're passionate about spreading a message of acceptance and belonging to queer folk everywhere, and Quirology is spreading that message. Just this past week, Quirology was listed by Radio.com as number one on their list of podcasts to listen to on National Coming Out Day. And last month, The Oprah Magazine named Quirology as one of the best LGBTQ podcasts of 2019. The listening audience of Queerology has grown significantly since this time last year. But I need your help. Creating Queerology and resources like it has become my full-time job, besides my small therapy practice. I love doing this work, but it doesn't cover the bills, and I need your support to continue to do it. Like thousands of other listeners, maybe your life has been changed after hearing the stories featured on Queerology. I just launched the 2019 funding drive and need your help to reach the goal of 600 Patreon supporters by October 31st. We're at 209 right now. Head over to patreon.com slash Matthias Roberts and make a pledge today. That's patreon.com slash Matthias Roberts. Hey friends, this is Matthias Roberts and you're listening to Queerology, a podcast on belief and being. This is episode 91 I think it's important to hold that reverence for holy women, like the saints or Mary, because they will help us to argue that, that people of all genders need to be accepted in our holy. Vivian Geetz is a 23-year-old bisexual Catholic woman, writer, feminist, and activist. A communications and administrative professional, she graduated from the University of British Columbia with a bachelor's degree in creative writing and a minor in gender and women's studies. Vivian is primarily interested in exploring positive queer and feminist intersections with Catholicism and Christianity through her blogging, poetry, and everyday life. Her creative perspective allows her to navigate both personal and professional situations with an emphasis on diversity, inspiration, and spirituality. Vivian currently lives in Vancouver, British Columbia, with her beloved cat, Baby. I'm really excited to have Vivian on the show. If you'll remember a few episodes back, I think it was back in December of last year, so maybe that was longer than a few episodes ago. (laughs) I did an episode on queer Catholicism with a bunch of guys, and one of the biggest critiques of that episode was there were no women. And, And it's actually taken me this long to find a queer Catholic woman who's actively practicing. <laughs> so it was it was a search for me. Vivian and I talk about that a little bit in this episode and some of the barriers in the Catholic Church right now. 
before we dive in, as you heard at the beginning of this episode, we just launched a 2019 funding drive for Queerology. And I wanted to tell you about a new thing that I'm doing on my Patreon with perks. In the past, it was just to support Queerology, which was great, but I wanted to add in some benefits. So I actually launched a brand new podcast last week called Things I'm Thinking About, uh, which is a Patreon-exclusive podcast just for people who are pledging at the premium listener level and above, uh, which is $16 a month, roughly $4 a week. One of one of the biggest things people say to me when I when I meet people out and about is Matthias, we wish you talked more. And while queerology will always be guest focused, that's that's the point of this podcast. It's not about me; it's about the people who are on it. Things I'm thinking about is kind of my alternative to that. So the first episode uh, launched last Friday is going to be releasing every Friday only on Patreon. That's just one of the perks that I launched. There's a brand new queerology community. There's stickers. There's enamel pins. All of that and more over at patreon.com slash Matthias Roberts. Help me reach that goal of 600 Patreon supporters by October 31st. Patreon.com slash Matthias Roberts. Okay, let's go ahead and dive in. Vivian, hi, welcome. Hi, Matthias. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Good. So we'll start with the question I ask everyone. Uh, how do you identify and how would you say that your faith has helped form that identity? Um, I identify as... A bisexual Catholic woman, and I would say that my faith has helped form that identity in that there's no point where the two haven't been interlinked um, in terms of faith and sexuality, and by learning more about one, I have always been drawn closer to the other in a very positive and life-giving way. So um, the two inform each other in that they both help me to learn more about myself and about God um, in a way that allows me to be more self-aware and more happy and um, closer to myself and God. What has that journey kind of been like? You named several things that in a lot of minds, I mean, they're difficult intersections, like <laughs> being bisexual, <laughs> yeah. being a woman in the Catholic Church. Yeah. Um, and, and as someone who has remained in the Catholic Church, I'm really curious about that. Yeah, it's actually kind of become a lot easier than a lot of people think it would be. As queer Christians, we always get the question, how do you reconcile, you know, your faith with your sexuality? And um, when I get that question, I tend to answer, I say the short version is I don't, because I don't have to. Because um, essentially, as I was coming out to myself, when I was in university, I was not practicing Catholicism. I was born and raised Catholic, but then I had kind of stepped away from it. And it was actually when I um, realized I was queer that I felt God pull me back to it. And so I was drawn back into it, and I felt God affirming me, um, you know, to be who I am in it and to be Catholic. And then as I explored it and I asked God, is this okay?, this is who I am, um, I kind of started discovering all these new things about the church I was raised in that I hadn't necessarily thought of before, that I was rediscovering, um, reclaiming from a queer perspective. There's a lot in Catholicism that can, I think, be interpreted as a um, erasing of binary and blurring, blurring of binaries and of lines, which bet lines between God and the human 
um, lines between the three aspects, the three parts of the Trinity, um, those kind of things that, which I found very helpful, especially as a bisexual person, to be like, oh, in that way, we are very similar. And in the way that the Catholic Church has helped me to, or my understanding of Catholicism has helped me to blur those binary lines. So I have also been able to realize that it's okay for me to be attracted to all genders, right? And realize it's okay for me to be a queer person and a Christian, right? I mean, it sounds like, I mean, your your queerness kind of brought you back to the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like that allowed you to do some really kind of more constructive work with the models and the frameworks that you were raised with. Mm-hmm. And, and he said, like, I was discovering new things, reframing things, re-kind of, or, or queering things. I mean, it sounds like yeah. you mentioned the Trinity, you mentioned other doctrines like could you could you put some more language around that like i i I don't know the catholic church well so i i my language around catholic theology is not like the greatest so yeah for sure (laughs) tell me more (laughs) the biggest thing that helped me do that is um the eucharist i don't know if you know what the eucharist is oh yeah i'll explain it for people that might not know it's the belief that the body and blood of Christ, well, the, the bread and wine is turned into the body and blood of Christ during the Mass by the priest, a sacrament that the Mass is formed around, and it's kind of the crux of um, a lot of Catholicism's belief. And the thing about that is that um, when Jesus, if Jesus is becoming the bread and wine like we believe, um, then Jesus is transcending humanness and blurring the lines between humanness and say food and also between God and people because we are consuming him in the mass and then we are becoming in a way we are becoming him when we consume him right so um like we are picking his spirit into us when we literally eat him <laughs> so that um you know, the the intertwining of all of those lines kind of is a very, like, a very queer thing to me because it's, like, so outside of... And it's very hard to wrap your mind around and it's something that a lot of people don't believe and it's something even people that do believe it obviously struggle with it, right? Like, um, so it's very unique. You know, it's a very queer queer way of looking at it in that it's not something that's normal it's you know it's it's a blurring of lines between god and human and and bread and wine and all of that and um the other cool thing about that when i get even more into to to continue on that line a lot of catholicism has a very deep reverence for mary the mother of god and also when i was reconstructing catholicism thinking about mary who I had always had this very deep reverence for, um, even growing up in the Catholic Church. I kind of, I came to understand Mary as the first, um, tabernacle, so to speak, and the first person who held that bread and wine of Jesus within her because she carried him. And so that is very cool because it also continues to blur those lines between, like, it suggests that we have a similarity to Mary in that we are consuming Christ the same way that she held him within her, and also a very unique and deep way of looking at um, being a woman, 
um, and the importance of women, right? Um, and the importance of mothers. And, um, you know, so because the Catholic Church holds that reverence for Mary and then the importance of women and just like making that queer in the same way because it's all like interconnected. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's so interesting to hear you say that because. I mean, as I'm sure you're aware, yeah. <laughs> like the, I mean, the, the stereotypes, at least out there, of the Catholic Church are, at least in the queer community, like anti-gay and anti-woman. Yeah. And so, and so, you're telling me about like, no, like I have found something in this tradition that gives me a whole lot of life. Like there, there's a reverence here for both of these things. I, I I'd love to hear more about that. I guess growing up, I was not really taught that I was not really taught that women were less than men, right? Like I wasn't really getting that message from the church so much as you know I was getting like um, warped like views on sexuality that I disagreed with or you know came to disagree with from the church. But I wasn't like I said I had this. um, We were taught to respect Mary. You know, even as kids, we're taught to respect and pray to Mary and that she's very important to us as the mother of God. And there are a lot of really cool female saints that I also um, would pray to and that we were taught to find reverence in. And um, so I think I just kind of, yeah, like came to wrap my head around the, I guess, the disconnect between that and then, you know, oh, only men can be priests or only men can do this, only men can be priests. So just, like, realizing that I disagreed with that as I got older, right? And then, like, being falling, being able to fall back on the good parts of it, like I said, like, the reverence for saints that are women and the reverence for Mary and the connection between Mary and God. And um, Catholicism does teach, even in their views of sexuality that I disagree with you know does teach that the body is a holy thing and the woman's body which can carry a child is a holy thing even if they don't well so that's sorry that's um a little bit cisnormative too but like you know what i mean but like but the catholic church doesn't really have an understanding of trans people unfortunately but um the you know the cis woman's body who can carry a child is is a holy thing and you know because they teach what a man and a woman will come together and have children. And, but that's, you know, I've deconstructed that, obviously. But, um, yeah, so I don't know. But then it, I've been able to take that and take what's bad from it and say, no, not that. And, um, again, I've prayed about it a lot. And I've, like, worked and read through so much about it and being like, these are the parts that are good and these are the parts that are bad. <laughs> and so I think that by being queer people in the church, we can help to push back against those bad things and still hold, I think it's important to hold that like reverence for holy women, like the saints or Mary, because they will help us to argue that, that people of all genders need to be accepted and are holy, right? And push back against some of the sexist, misogynistic, things that can be associated with Catholicism. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's beautiful. (laughs) You're finding such meaning and and life within a tradition 
that that is your own, which which mm-hmm. I I always think is a beautiful thing. Like I, I really do believe, and we can reclaim our own traditions, like the traditions that we were raised with, and and say like there are good things here, and there are things that need to change. Ugh, it's powerful stuff. And I'm curious. I mean, what is it like to then kind of be doing that work within a faith community, like where there is a very rich tradition of hierarchy? <laughs> I mean, what is it like to kind of push back against that power structure and say, like, wait a second, some of these things are wrong? Yeah, yeah. The easiest answer to that is just by being yourself. It's it's. I'm already doing something wrong, quote unquote, by being bisexual and Catholic. So I'm already pushing back against, like, I, I'm i just living my life and I'm rebelling against the church in a way because I'm queer. And then when it comes to within actually arguing in those spaces, um, I haven't, I don't know <laughs> if I've gotten that far yet. I do in a sense that I participate in a lot of online Catholic and Christian communities and I'm having those conversations with other people, but most of those people are also LGBTQ Christians, right? Because um, those are the communities that I seek out and have become part of. But then within my own, like, church, like, I go to a Catholic church every Sunday almost, and um, I don't really actively push back there. <laughs> like, I just kind of ha- am a presence, and I come and I go to Mass, and then I leave you know I don't like I'm not an active member of my parish really I tend to find my LGBT Christian community elsewhere right like um, I'm a writer so I also do my writing and blogging which I think that's also like a reflection of you know my sexuality and my religion so I think just by yeah like being myself and expressing myself and expressing those feelings it's something right like No, I mean, I think you're right. Like, I I think that speaks in a way to just the power of showing up in a space. Yeah. And and kind of that idea of we don't always have to be providing active resistance. Like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) just being somewhere or or going into spaces that maybe are a little bit, I mean, hostile is probably the wrong word in this case, but Mm -hmm. maybe oppressive or, or. but spaces that still are meaningful to us though and just existing there like there, there's a power to that and i guess I'm, I'm maybe curious then like do you encounter much pushback i mean you, you talk about finding community in other places which is also like such an important thing like mm-hmm. i mean what what is like is is it a challenge like is it a struggle to kind of to be in these spaces and and doing this work i mean cuz I mean, and i think i'm asking this question from a place of like a few few months ago i think back in december like we did an episode on queer catholicism with michael patrick and pat and a common critique of that episode was there were no female voices in that episode and when i kind of started looking around for other like queer queer women who are in the catholic church actively doing work i mean in my networks there weren't any which could speak to my network <laughs> there's so. not many <laughs> like, um that could be a critique of yeah right but it didn't seem like there were many out there like i, I feel like i'm a fairly connected person <laughs> and yeah i couldn't find many women who were doing this work and and so when you popped up i was like oh my gosh like i want to have this conversation <laughs> um i mean 
it's pioneering work in a way. Like Yeah, like there are a few of us, I would say, but um again, I don't think I think a lot of them are in a similar position to me. I'm in a Catholic LGBTQ Facebook group, um, and there are several other women in that group, right? And a lot of them are doing similar things to me. Like we are writing about it and sharing articles about it and having those conversations online, but not necessarily as vocal in our churches. Um, in many cases, like I don't really, per- I don't personally know anyone who's like starting an LGBTQ group at their church who's a Catholic woman. You know what I mean? Or something like that. I tried. After I had come out to myself and I had come back to Catholicism and reconstructed it a little bit, I was in the Catholic group on my university campus, and um, it's a pretty small group of people, but I became good friends with them, and I, um, I came out to most of them. Most of them knew. I ended up being on an executive position of that group, and like, you know, university club executive. I was co-running it with a few other women, actually Catholic women. And, um, they all knew that I was queer and I told them, well, I'm, I'm wanting to be a part of this because I want to create these spaces for LGBTQ people who are Catholic, right? Like, um, so by being an out by woman on this leadership team, I want to do this. And they all said that was okay. And that was good because they were all straight women, right? And, um, but unfortunately, a few months after I started doing that, I kind of learned that they were still had more conservative views on sexuality, which was hard to learn because they were also close friends of mine. So it was like, oh, you've just been lying that you <laughs> accept me for who I am. Like, that's cool. It was, um, quite painful. I had to leave that group and I started my own LGBTQ Christian group on my university campus, um, you know, not Catholic specific, but just Christian, but I did found it and um, it ran for a couple of years. So, um, so I guess I've tried, but <laughs> I guess I could try again. I don't know. Well, no, like I, I'm not asking to saying like, suggesting no, that I know. you need to do right. <laughs> um, but I mean, I think that speaks to the work that you're doing, just showing up. Yeah. That's, hard to do it's hard to stay some of those communities where i mean the the hope of like active change i mean i think we talked about this in in the episode with with um the guys the kind of sense of like change in the catholic church doesn't happen quickly like for a lot of us who are like in more evangelical spaces there is kind of that hope that in 10 15 20 years like things are going to be way different than they are now Mm -hmm. and things don't happen that quickly at least kind of what if I were was understanding what they were saying. So to, to, yeah. to stay in that community and, and to still work towards change, understanding like this may take a very long time. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a hard thing to do. And I mean, that, that makes me think about like, before we started recording, like mm-hmm. you mentioned mental health. I mean, I'm curious, like, how is it to walk into those spaces like mental health wise, like you ha- you have to hold a lot of your own self to be able to enter these spaces. Like, what yeah. are, what is that like for um, you? It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'm very convincing, right? Uh-huh. Um, 
requires, I think it requires um, removal, I guess, between the two spaces. Between what two spaces? This, I guess what I'm saying is like the spaces of the ca- Catholic Church versus my queer feminist Christian community. Mm. So I kind of am able to, I don't know if I'm like fully successful, but I'm sort of able to be at peace with God. Well, I'm able to be at peace with God in both. And when I walk into the Catholic Church, um, I'm able to accept I'm at peace with God. I don't know if I'm at peace with the other people or the church as a structure because of what it upholds. But God and I are okay with this. And... (laughs) And then when I'm in like a um, LGBT Christian group or circle, I'm then I'm able to find that connection that I'm not able to find in like a Catholic church community, which is why I'm not an active member of my parish, right? Like I go to my, there are, there's a group called um, Generous Space. I go to their meetings here in Vancouver and they're a Canada-wide um, LGBTQ Christian group and they're really great. So I go there as like my second church, I guess, you know, every couple of weeks. And it's just that community, you know, physically present community. I do also participate in the online communities, but it's nice to have a physical group of people who have the same views as you, right, to be around. So um, I guess it's a matter of trying to be at peace with <laughs> which is hard. But again, like God and I have never had an issue because... <laughs> So when I walk into a Catholic church, I know that God's cool with it, and that's sustainable for me, at least most of the time. So, yeah, it's it's building up that, like, confidence in self, yourself and in God affirming you, which has taken me, you know, a while to do. But I think I'm good, at, good enough at it that I can, like, uphold my mental sanity while I'm there. So I mean, like, I'd be curious for, for people who are listening who are... I mean, especially queer women who are in the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, what advice do you have? I mean, but I feel like this can apply to, I mean, any of us who are wanting to stay in faith communities. Like, who are like, I don't, I don't want to leave my community, and, and yet it, it costs me something as well. I, what, what, what have you learned in in doing that? I think my my advice um, would be to do what you need to do for yourself. Like, if you don't feel like you can be in that space and be mentally healthy, then don't do it. Like, because I can at this point, but who's to say if a few years from now I go through something really hard and I find it more difficult, I might stop going to church, right? Like, I don't know. I think it just depends on, yeah, like your mental secure, your security in yourself. I'm a very confident person. Like, I have a lot of self-love and self respect which is important i think um so i think just knowing where you're at personally with your level of confidence in your journey of your self-love and love for god and like if you think you can handle that and then if not it's okay right like it's not your fault obviously and um trust god that sounds really cliche, but <laughs> I hate, I hate that. I shouldn't say that. Um, <laughs> that like, there's a path, there's a time and a path for everything. And that like, if God wants you to be somewhere, you'll be there. Cause like, if I wasn't meant to be, you know, still Catholic, I wouldn't like, I wouldn't have been called so 
strongly back to it. And if you're not, that's okay. Like maybe you find God somewhere else. Like she's everywhere. So you can go elsewhere to find God. You, you mentioned your blog. Um, tell me about that. Tell me where people can find you and kind of, kind of what you're doing over there, what you're writing about. Um, sure. So I'm on VivianGeats.com and it's just, I like to, I like to write about my life and um, I started writing a couple years ago when I moved to Vancouver and I just started writing about things that were going on for me and how I was coping mentally and what my spiritual journey has been through all of that and then I've just kind of continued doing that so I yeah and I also write some poetry and sometimes I'll post it up there and um, yeah so if you like reading about that kind of stuff you can Check it out. <laughs> yeah, that's so cool. Are, are you other places online? Like, yeah. Um, I guess I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Catholic Trash. I yeah. love it. Tell me more about yeah. that. <laughs> um, I'm. That's well. The username is again. It's because I'm Catholic and I'm use. I'm doing it wrong. So therefore, <laughs> I'm a trashy Catholic. <laughs> so that, so that's, I love that. That's where I got uh, that. Yeah. I love that. Oh my gosh. Well, Vivian, thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, this has been lovely. Mm-hmm. I wish you the best as you continue this work. Thanks. You can find Vivian over at viviangeats.com. She's on Twitter and Instagram at Catholic Trash. Quirology is on Twitter and Instagram at QuirologyPod, or you can tweet me directly at Matthias Roberts. Quirology is produced with support from its listeners. To join in the 2019 Patreon funding campaign, head over to patreon.com slash Matthias Roberts. Help reach that goal of 600 Patreon supporters and keep Queerology spreading a message of love and belonging all over the world. As always, I'd love to hear from you. If you have ideas of what you want to hear on the show or just want to say hi, reach out. I'll get back to you. And until next week, y'all, bye! When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.